Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Inside Try Show with Helen Murray. This is the podcast that takes a deeper look at the sport with in-depth interviews and special episodes to keep you entertained and inspired while you're training. Ready and let's go. Hello and welcome to episode 145 of the Inside Try Show, sponsored by new sponsors, Presca Sportswear, the world's first climate positive sportswear brand. I'm Helen Murray and each week on the Inside Try Show, I bring you awesome interviews from triathlon and beyond. I'm still buzzing after an utterly incredible weekend in Tembe. You'll be hearing all about that. And then there is also... A wonderful, actually, a really lovely interview for you this week with Lindsay Corbin. I wanted to really encapsulate all things Iron Man this week, given that I've spent the past weekend thinking about it, talking about it, cheering on, not doing it, cheering on. But there are so many doubts. There's the joy, there's the pain of it all. And given that Lindsay has been racing as a pro since 2006, I thought, who could be better to be on the podcast this week before she retires after Kona. So you will notice that I mentioned a new sponsor and I'm really, really chuffed that Preska will be sponsoring the show every other week over the next six months. I first had them on the podcast back in episode 54. So I'm thrilled that I'm going to be able to bang on about them in the coming months. You'll be hearing about another brand who will be sponsoring the podcast on the other weeks in next week's show. But Preska Sportswear are doing some really brilliant things when it comes to environmentally friendly sportswear. And I caught up with their managing director, Guy Whitby. We had a little coffee in Tembe. Then we went outside. I got my phone out, hit the record button. So it was the day before he was going to be lining up and I think Guy summed up so nicely how loads of people would have been feeling as they lined up on North Beach waiting for that hooter to go. Guy we are in Tembe what have we got now oh I don't know probably about doing the maths 15 hours before go time of Ironman Wales 
how are you feeling, Guy? <laughs> Not worse now you've said that. <laughs> no, pretty good. Yesterday was a bit of a bit of a roller coaster not knowing whether it was on or off um finding out about three o'clock yesterday it was properly on then you could stop worrying about whether it's on or off and start worrying about that it's on <laughs> and like how, how have preparations been for you coming into it it's been a long time so I signed up for this race it for the 2020 version um so yeah been building up to this three times had covid three times <laughs> had a disastrous race this summer so yeah, it's been a, another roller coaster, but yeah, feeling pretty good now. How tough has that been? Because I know that you are not the only one who's had that position, that you've entered it for 2020, obviously it got cancelled. 2021, right, we're going to go again, cancelled. What was it like then having to do that for the third time? It's a weird one, because you never know whether it's actually going to happen, so you kind of, you're committed to training, obviously, but it's hard to fully fully commit because you're kind of half you still thinking it's going to be cancelled again or um yeah it's just been a, a tough old time trying to build and build and build and you're not not really sure what other races you can plan or should put in the calendar because um i also had ironman Tallinn as well and then kind of halfway through the build up to that i was just like i just need to get this off the calendar i know no longer want to do that so i cancelled that one but yeah i've always loved tembi so kept that one in the diary and finally get to do it and what is it like actually being back because i i've been down over the past couple of years but there's been no race so to finally have that like race day atmosphere again what what was that bit well pre-race day you know like the the race ambiance i'd say of the whole kind of weekend few days i don't remember it being this busy like it just seems busy and everyone's smiley there's always a really different but really good atmosphere in tembi i feel like there's a lot more people here just to ready to compete and get it done and kind of complete it which is really nice it's got yeah it's got a really cool vibe Tembi. what do you remember being the best bit from the time that you've done it previously (sighs) the finish line (laughs) getting the bike done i think and then last time i didn't really look at the run i didn't realize it was actually quite hilly so (laughs) the first time up that massive hill was was a bit of an eye-opener but yeah, it was 2018 last time I did it. And just seeing people like Lucy Gussage smiling the whole bloody time as she was running was just unfair. <laughs> and, Guy, this is the first week that Preska have actually sponsored the podcast, which is so exciting. So tell us a little bit about Preska. So, Preska, we're the first climate-positive sportswear brand. Um, we've been doing this since 2014. My friend from university and me, we started the brand in 2014. Um, back then, no one was really thinking about sustainability. Um, so yeah, we've been doing that from the start. We've only ever used recycled fabrics. We've um, Every single product we've ever made has had a sustainability story and we're always trying to do things better and being as open and honest as we can. And we're really trying to be a, an industry voice on this as well and hope that people can follow our lead and kind of learn off us and work with us to, to get better every day. And what does climate positive actually, what does that mean? It means that we're not just offsetting all of our carbon and kind of cheating. You do have to do that in certain areas because it's not, it's not perfect, but it means kind of putting in, making the planet better and kind of doing more than offsetting. So we're not just carbon neutral, we're, we're actually having a positive impact on, on the planet. That's amazing. And you, you, we were chatting earlier, we've got some nice music. Obviously the party atmosphere is now starting, but what... Like you were saying, Guy, that when you were at a race, and this is how it used to be, and you'd rack your bike, wouldn't you, before a big 70.3 or an Ironman, and then you'd get a big power bar, yellow bag, to stick over it. And wasn't that the thing that triggered you then 
having an idea to do something. Yeah, it's quite depressing seeing people drink beer while I'm trying to <laughs> just <laughs> drinking busy pop. But yeah, yeah. So that was the big thing. We were sat at Ironman Sweden, St Kalmar, and me and my friend Rob were kind of sat there, just got contemplating before my first Ironman, and just seeing these bin lorry just collecting all these plastic bags and just throwing them away and we just thought there's got to be a better way there's so much waste in this in this sport and all sport yeah there's got to be a better way and we can do we can do better than this that was the inspiration wow and you know even so obviously you want as a if you're doing a an Ironman you you do want that finishers t-shirt a lot of people would if it's their first one would you even like to have the like trees Tees for trees and, and and the option for Iron Man to have I don't know maybe a sustainable product. What? It's a difficult one and like in a perfect world no one would have anything there'd be no waste at all. Mm. But I know these events are massive and if it's your first one or as a special one you do need some sort of memento to take away from you and we'd never want to kind of encourage people not to celebrate what they've succeed um, achieved. But yeah we we have a custom side of the business as well and we're often kind of looking at different ways that people can kind of get t-shirts and maybe have no dates on them or collect badges rather than um, rather having a different t-shirt every event and I know a lot of events company are waking up to this I'm hoping it's not just to cut costs <laughs> and look at a way to make more money and I don't think it is I think there's a genuine shift now to people realizing you've got drawers full of finishers t-shirts that you've not ever worn or you've worn once and that's it they've gone in the bin I am I am really looking forward to genuinely learning a lot more over the next six months with you guys on board. I think that'll be a really good thing. I think that's one of the big things we're learning every day too. So like every day there's a new sustainability story and it's quite hard to kind of dig and understand whether this is just greenwash or, or there's actually some truth in this. And yeah, so yeah, I think that's the biggest thing I've kind of learned from this is that every day changes and kind of what we know about sustainability and how we can improve, yeah, changes. So would you love to see Guy on, you know, obviously not this summer, but maybe in the, in the Northern Hemisphere, like over the next couple of years, would you love to see some more Preska kit, obviously out there, people people wearing it in, in races and stuff, in their local running race? Yeah, I'd love that. And actually I'm seeing it more and more. I did a sportive just in the middle of Somerset, in the middle of nowhere, and someone someone stopped me on a bench at an A station and said, wow, Preska, that's the... That's the uh, the eco company, isn't it? And that's one of the first times that actually someone's come out and said, recognised the kind of brand name, and it was it was our old logo as well. But it was yeah, it's really nice, and it yeah, it's great when people kind of are wearing the kit, and I can see them wearing it. So you're going to be wearing it tomorrow. I am, yeah, yeah. in the same suit that one. I think it won Outlaw. Someone was wearing Outlaw and one one Outlaw in it. So yeah, it's, it's a fast suit. <laughs> might, might not be as fast on me, but it's <laughs> it's a fast suit. <laughs> Happy racing tomorrow, guy. Thank you. I need that. I need some good luck as well. <laughs> good luck too. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> right, go and check out prescasportswear.com. Use the code InsideTry15. So that's the figures 15. So InsideTry15. It's going to be valid until the end of March 2023. One use per customer. And you can use it on everything apart from heel jerseys. So... I am pretty sure, because he's a nice kind of guy, I don't think that Guy will mind me saying he didn't end up actually having the race that he wanted, as many others didn't either. If that is you, listen back to episode 82. It's an episode about how do you deal with a DNF. I have been there, I know how it feels, and all I can say is that your time will come again and in that episode 
I talk it through with professional Laura Siddle and it's full of loads of good stuff. So yeah, if you're feeling a little bit downbeat, go and listen to that. And also keep listening because towards the end of this week's interview, there's a little clip and I think you will appreciate that as well. So there's obviously lots of people who would have had a disappointing day at Ironman Wales. And then there are loads of people who did have the race that they had hoped for. Others maybe exceeded their expectations. Others maybe didn't quite have the race, but they still got across that finish line. And as a supporter, having spent the whole weekend down in Pembrokeshire, I think it's just a really uplifting day when you witness all of that firsthand. I hadn't shouted about going down as I wanted to surprise a few people, which was quite frankly brilliant, despite being called a rather lovely term. Thanks, Larry. But it was worth it, Kath. (laughs) And massive well done to both of you and all the gang from Crap Try, who quite honestly, they just look like they're having a bit of a ball when it comes to support. I think the crowds came out in force this weekend to celebrate life to celebrate Ironman Wales returning and what is a really incredible event because it was the 10th anniversary. It was the first time that Ironman Wales had taken place since 2019 and there was just such a great buzz about the place. I caught up with Joanne Murphy from Try Talking Sport. She did, as always, a phenomenal job. I also saw Nathan and Catherine Ford, who were there with Team NFT. So good to see them in the flesh. I absolutely love chatting to you both. I had a good catch up with patron Joe overlooking the beach. I met up with my Welsh examiners, David Cole and Nia Davis. I'm only joking. So I did meet David, who utterly smashed it, and then Nia as well. And I wasn't giving any too much Welsh away at all. And then recent guest, Hannah Monday, I cheered like a loon. She was having so much fun. She did absolutely brilliantly. So too did Dave Tonge, who was on the podcast previously about the swim tips. And generally, I love supporting. I've said it before. I do love supporting. Yes, I like racing, but there is something about helping other people along the way and hilariously (laughs) there's a guy Keith from Wrexham Tri Club right I actually haven't met Keith but apparently he's given me a nickname of his over enthusiastic stalker I didn't really realize this but now it it does make sense because he must have put something on the Facebook group I said oh I love cheering on you know him and this other guy from Wrexham Tri Club I don't think I've met either of them but they've clearly got the Rex and Vests. So I was like, yeah, 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 come on, come on. And um, Keith said, do you wear glasses? In a comment on Facebook, yes, I do. He said, oh yeah, you're my over-enthusiastic stalker. I think I've seen you at Bolton and in Denmark. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> Sorry, that's absolutely me. So yeah, that bit's the fun side of it. I will admit, seeing the pain on people's faces or the sadness that bit was really really hard so in at Ironman Wales you get out the swim and there's a really really long run through town to transition if you're feeling good it's great so you know the guy runs past in his speedos and just gets the biggest of cheers but there were quite a number of people who had to make this walk through town 
carrying their pink bags. They did not have smiles on their faces. They had tears. They just looked pretty broken because they didn't make it through the swim. And yeah, I actually found that pretty hard to see. But if that was you, do not beat yourself up and hopefully come back again another time. It was also really not nice trying to update that blooming tracker as we were driving home thinking, will she make it? Won't she make it? Will she make it? Won't she make it? Oh, come on. It's going to be tight. There's like eight minutes. Oh, no, this is good. There's now 15 minutes. So Kath and Katie, you really did do it. And I am so chuffed for you. So overall, I know I've just done a bit of a Ironman Wales monologue, but if you have never been down to Tenby, even if you don't fancy doing an Ironman, doesn't matter. Richard supported loads. He could not give a hoot about actually ever doing it, but he enjoys coming down and supporting as well. So yeah, if you want to race it, bite the bullet, train for it, absolutely train for it. You have to train on hills. And if you could get in the sea, I think that'll be beneficial because there is nothing that quite matches. Like the pool is just not a choppy sea. So yeah, and if you don't fancy doing it, doesn't matter. Just get down there and support it. It is phenomenal. Right, Ironman Wales, done. Well done. So don't forget, at some point over the next few months, I am going to do an episode all about running. I've had a few questions, but I need some more. So if you have any questions all about running, send them in to helen at insidetryshow.com. Helen at insidetryshow.com. Time for this week's interview. So my guest this week is American professional Lindsay Corbin. Lindsay is going to be retiring from triathlon after her 15th, 15th Ironman World Championship race, which is taking place in Kona, Hawaii. She is a really amazing woman. She's really into her food. Check out Hazel and Blue if you haven't before. I've put it in the show notes. And in this interview, she is really, really very honest about her career. And there are a few special messages as well from some other athletes. So enjoy. Lindsay Corbin, welcome to the Inside Try Show. Lindsay, how are you? I'm doing good. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you very much. And um, Lindsay, it seems a bit of a weird one, but I want you to take me and everyone listening back to, were you in a dog shop when you phoned Chris, your husband, and you said to him, Chris, I think I want to quit my job. <laughs> yeah, I was in a weird space. I had just finished school. I studied exercise science and I wasn't sure what I was going to do. My husband was getting his MBA, so he was still in college at the time. And um, I got a job at a dog hiking company and it actually was a pretty cool job. We had these little mini school buses and you'd take the seats out of the school buses. So they was just basically like van life but years ago in 2006, and you would drive from house to house to pick up the dogs. And then you would take, you know, a pack of dogs, which is essentially what dogs are used to is this dog pack mentality. And you would take them um, to the open country in Montana and you would take them on off leash walks. So it was doggy daycare, but for athletes. So it was like these athletic dogs, like labs and hunting dogs, and they all knew each other. And yeah, you would take them on these hour, two hour off leash hikes and then throw them back on the bus and then take them home. And then we had a dog store where we had a bakery with, you know, baked dog treats and really high quality organic dog food. And 
like learning the nutrition behind like what dogs should eat was just fascinating to me. And yeah, I was working at this dog store, but, and it sounds really cool. It, it was like a cool opportunity, but it was not like, this is ticking all the boxes of what I want to do for the rest of my life. And, um, I had just started to dabble in triathlon and I thought, I kind of want to give myself one year just to try and see if I can make any money at this. And like, if I would be good at it and my personality, like ever since I've been a little kid has always been all or nothing. And so I, to me, it like was unfathomable that I could like work at a dog store and be a triathlete at the same time. So I was like, you know, I don't think I called him. I think we had a conversation or whatever, but it was like, I just want to try this for one year of like putting everything on hold. I don't really know what I'm going to do with my life. Let me try and be a triathlete for a year and see if I can make any money. And if I can, then I'm going to give this a run. And if I can't, then like the dog store will be here or another job I'm sure I will be able to find. And so, um, Chris, we had just been married a year was like awesome husband of the year (laughs) and said to go for it. And so I did. So, yeah. (laughs) And you, you haven't, you haven't needed to go back to the dog store job. No, now I just am a professional dog mom. So just to hang out with the dog all the time and yeah, it picks the boxes. So when, right, when you did think, okay, I'm going to give it a go for a year. Like, can you actually believe that you are about to go to your 15th Ironman World Championship? Yeah, no, I'm blown away. It has exceeded every expectation I ever thought. Um, my first Kona was in 2006 and it actually, my first professional race was in 2006. My first Ironman was in 2006 and I happened to qualify at that race for the Ironman world championships in Hawaii. And like the whole thing is just crazy. The only reason I got my pro card is that I didn't grow up as a swimmer. So I was like deathly afraid of the mass swim start. And I was signed up to race Ironman Coeur d'Alene in 2006. And before the race, I was on a training ride with some friends and I'd had some good results that year, kind of getting ready for Ironman Coeur d'Alene. And um, I could qualify to race as a professional, but the thought like hadn't even crossed my mind. And we were on a training ride and a couple of my friends were talking about the swim and how nervous I was for it. And like how I was just going to get pummeled because 2000 people mass start. And one of my friends kind of taunted or joked me and said, you know, if you get your pro card and race as a professional, you get a head start and you only have to start with the 30 pros. And so literally after that bike ride, I like went home, got on the computer, emailed USA triathlon and was like, I want to apply for my pro license was approved 24 hours later. And Literally like the week of the race, I switched my entry from amateur athlete to professional athlete. And then somehow, some way I was the last pro to qualify for Kona. And I just remember being in Kona in 2006, that first year. And to me, it was like a one and done. Like this is a bucket list event. I'm only going to do this once. Um, And here I am going back for the 15th time. Well, so right, you got to the end of the first one, or maybe the whole experience mm-hmm. of, you know, like that, that time in Kona. Did you think, yeah, yeah, I want a bit more of this? Um, I don't think I was really like at that time, I was still working at the dog store. I ended up quitting the dog store right around that time. But I just remember leaving Kona and being like starstruck and enamored of like, 
all the people and the whole scene and the vibe. And of course, like the reason why Ironman is so addicting, whether you're an age group or a professional athlete is like you finish the race and you think like, if I'd done this different, if I would have done this different, if I would have ate this, if I would have pushed harder here, like that's five, 10, 15, 20, 25 minutes, you know? And I think that that was my biggest allure was like, I could go so much better. Like I have to come back and, and try it again. And then um, it just kind of was a snowball effect of like, then I had some good results and um, just kept improving and really just enjoyed. Yeah. Like the trajectory and the whole process and the journey was just really, really fun and enjoyable for me, especially those first few years, I think, cause the learning curve was pretty much straight up, like huge improvements. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. What about the last few years? How's that been in comparison to those first few? Yeah, the last few years have just been interesting. I mean, you have COVID in there, so that put like a whole spammer into the mix. But in my head, I kind of um, probably around like the 10th or 11th time I raced Kona, I put a little bit of a benchmark in my head of like, it'd be really cool to do 15 as a professional. I don't know why, like I've always liked round numbers. So like five, 10, 15, and it was like, okay, it'd be cool to get to 15. And for me, 15 would have hit during COVID. And obviously that didn't happen. And um, during COVID, I actually took a step back. I almost took COVID and treated triathlon as a, like a sabbatical from triathlon you know, when you've been doing it as long as I have, for me, it was just important to like, kind of have a mental refresh. I was feeling even at the end of 2019 before COVID, I was feeling a little bit like burnout or, um, things had started to get a bit stale. And so when COVID hit, it was kind of like, well, this is kind of nice. I'm actually going to take this as a break. And so I didn't push through, like I didn't do any of the online e-races or try to do any of the crazy like on swim training dry land that people were doing like I wasn't building pools in my backyard and I was laughing at everyone doing that though I was like it looks kind of cool but um and I think before COVID I was I don't want to say deathly afraid that's dramatic but I was for sure intimidated by the thought of retirement or being done with racing because for me, there was no other enjoy. Like I couldn't imagine anything else in my life being as exciting and providing as much fulfillment and satisfaction as triathlon. And then during COVID, when I took the sabbatical, I got to hang out with my husband again. Like Chris joked, like, oh, I've got my girlfriend back. And, you know, like I spent more time up in the mountains doing trail running and hiking and fishing. And um, I really, you know, fell in love with like gravel riding and riding my mountain bike, which I hadn't been able to do in years because I was such this regimented consummate professional triathlete that was like so focused on like Kona, Kona, Kona. And it was really refreshing, I guess, during COVID to be like, oh my gosh, there's more to me than just Lindsay, the triathlete, which I felt like I kind of had fallen into that trap of like, that's all I really knew. And so, yeah, I guess coming out of COVID, um, I then was pretty clear in my mind of like, there's a whole other world of like opportunities out there and I want to be able to experience those. And so it's, I mean, that, that's a long way of answering of like, how has the last few years been? It's been kind of, it's been kind of up and down. If I were totally honest, like there's moments that I totally love being a professional triathlete and I never want it to end. And then there's moments where I get glimpses of the COVID Lindsay and I'm like, I really enjoyed like backcountry skiing and there's other challenges and ways that I want to be able to push myself. And I'm 
again, that like all or nothing personality. I feel like if I don't have like a clean cut, like stop on triathlon, I won't allow myself to enjoy those other experiences. So, um, it's been up and down. Like I don't, um, like I said, there's some days that I absolutely love it and I never want it to end. And then there's other days where I just have to be real and be like, here's what my body and my mind is like willing to give me after all these years and, and acceptance of like, here's where I'm at. So, yeah. It's after that COVID or maybe even halfway through that, that COVID sabbatical, was there a bit of you, even though you had that goal of 15, was there a bit of you that thought, stuff it, let's just, let's just crack on with, you know, with this next phase of, of life? Yeah, no, I haven't gotten there yet. Like, I think it's, um, I, it's a rare opportunity for professional athletes to be able to end their career on their own terms. And it's bizarre because like retirement isn't really talked about, especially among professionals. And even I was like, I want to be able to change that stigma and be able to talk about it publicly. But even I find it hard to like talk about publicly because it's really a turmoil of emotions. But um, for me, there's never been this like, I just want to be done. And, and I mean, Chris has said that to me multiple times, my husband, who's like, a, you know, not my coach, but my number one, like, he may as well be my coach, because he gets the daily feedback of how everything's going, you know, so I mean, he has said multiple times, like, you can just stop, like, you don't have to keep doing this. But there's something about being able to end the chapter on my own terms, which, again, like, I've talked to a lot of my other sort of colleagues or professional athletes, like the amazing thing about our sport is how good of friends a lot of us are and people maybe don't realize that. And so it's, I've kind of called upon some of the people that I've met throughout my career to been like, what was your last chapter? Like, are these feelings normal? Are they not like, how did you feel? How did you approach it? And a lot of people weren't able to pick how they wanted their career to end. They were either taken out by injury or, you know, loss of sponsorship, or even with COVID, the yeah, the financial burden of it all and, and the so many unknowns. And so I guess I feel really fortunate to have the opportunity to be like, here's how I want it to end and here's what I want it to look like. And so for me, I um, have just kind of had that carrot in my head of like, this will be my last time and, and just to embrace it and appreciate it and maybe even do some things different that I haven't been able to do in the past because I know that it is the last time. So I mean, there's been a lot of like heartache and frustration because I, I think in your head, you script how you want your career to end. And mine's definitely not ending how I had hoped it would end, but it's also ending in a pretty freaking awesome way too, you know? So it's like, I guess just appreciating that and realizing that like, yeah, you can't in your head, you want it always to go one way and maybe it doesn't, but um, yeah, I don't, I kind of am rambling now and like getting away, but yeah, for me, it's never been like, I want to be done and just step off the course, you know, but, um, I guess it's just riding out the highs and the lows and, and realizing that this is all part of like the full journey and process that you sign up for. <laughs> you say perhaps the kind of the, the ending bit isn't perhaps going quite to the script. Would that script have involved, I don't know, a, a sort of stellar performance at Montremblant or is that not even part of it? Oh yeah. No, like Tremblant wasn't even on my radar. Like initially in my head, it was like, I'm going to go to St. George. I'm going to qualify for Kona. And then I'm going to go to Europe and I'm going to do these bucket list Ironmans. And I'm going to try to win one more Ironman before I retire. And so, yeah, I mean, my final chapter has been rewritten multiple times this year, which 
again, is like just a good reminder of one of the lessons I've learned from triathlon is that like, you literally have to just roll with the punches and you can't expect anything. Like I remember when I was third at 70.3 world championships, like my mantra going into that race was to expect the unexpected. And I basically went in with like zero expectations, zero pressure. I'd been injured that year. We had a death in the family that I was, you know, supportive of my mom during that time. And it would like, I had no business at all. And yeah, I just remember that was like my mantra for the race was expect the unexpected. And I went in and like had an amazing race. And so I guess that's just been a good reminder, like in this last chapter is that like, you constantly have to reinvent yourself, rewrite the script, and you really don't know how it's going to go. And like, even if you break it down to like the nine hour Ironman race, like, of course, everyone like scripts in their head what the perfect race day will look like. But then ultimately, like the winds crop up or you get a mechanical or you miss the swim group. Like, again, you just have to be like adaptable and kind of and be willing to like rewrite the script multiple times in a nine hour race. So it's much like that on a larger scale. So on social media, you've been um, been using the phrase a lot one mm-hmm. last time. What are you most looking forward to doing one last time? Oh, I think definitely running down Elite Drive for that final time was going to be like a circus of emotions. I will definitely be crying. <laughs> I mean, that's probably guaranteed when I run under that banyan tree. But just to be able to... I think, yeah, I mean, the whole Kona experience for me is going to be very different than past experiences because, you know, after I had success early on in my career, it was for me, it was all about Kona. And a lot of the times I think I went to Kona and I wasn't able to appreciate all that Kona has to offer because I was solely focused on getting in the top five or getting in the top 10 or even, you know, trying to win the race after I was uh, fifth there. And, um, So for me, just going and like enjoying the experience and soaking it all up and looking back at like the lessons it's taught me. And I mean, I started triathlon in my early 20s and now I'm into 40. (laughs) And so the woman I am today at 40 is like not who I was when I started the sport. And I credit the sport for shaping me into the person I am today. So it's been like a very, I guess, like reflective period. And I'm most looking forward to, yeah, being in Hawaii and just closing that final chapter and just enjoying it and also pushing myself. Like it's very, you know, I've talked to other professionals, like I said earlier about what it's like and what they miss and, you know, do I need to be scared of what life's going to be on the other side? And like basically every pro I've talked to is like, I miss being that fit and being able to push myself. And so when it gets tough out there and it's like time to lean in and push myself, I think I'll really appreciate those moments because like, it is the like, when else are you going to like bleed out your ears on the queen K for, you know, what? Yeah. I don't know. I think that those will be the moments that I'll appreciate even the ugly parts, because like I said, it'll be the last time that you'll, you know, have those or like, even today I went and swam open water with, um, my friends, Paula and Eric and a couple other local athletes here. And it was like, all right, this is probably my last like open water wetsuit swim with this group. And, Um, so yeah, just appreciating, I think those small things that for years I just took for granted of like, all right, just another swim, you know? (laughs) I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. 
This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What are you um, least looking forward to having to do one last time? <laughs> oh man, I'm. Uh, it's just like pop. Like the first thing that popped into my head is the shower after the Iron Man. Like I'm not the shower post Iron Man in Hawaii is like the most dreaded thing ever because the salt there just does something to your skin and the like chafing and blisters and sunburn and. <laughs> Like you can't even stand up. It's just all so messed up. And you're like, what did I just put myself through? So um, I will not miss that. (laughs) That was the first thing that popped in my head. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. It's a good one. Don't you worry. It's a good one. It's a good one. If if something, you know, more reflective pops into your head later, you can, you know, tell me later, but don't worry about it. It's a good one because... I don't know. Not many people would know just how horrible that shower is. So, yeah, you were saying about um, you've changed. Triathlon has changed you as a as a person, as a woman. In what, like, in what way? Yeah, I think that my triathlon journey for me has just given me the sense of empowerment that I never would have imagined possible. Um, I grew up with like not a ton of confidence or self-belief in myself. And for me, the initial allure to triathlon was like, can I even do this? Is this even possible? Um, And every time you do a workout that's super hard or you do a race or um, you push yourself past what you think you're capable of, it's like adding a deposit into the the confidence bank or or self-belief bank of like what, what you're capable of or what you're possible of. And, um, I pride myself on like having done triathlon the honest way the entire time. Like I, my results have come purely from hard work and work ethic and putting your mind to it. And I think, yeah, that as I've grown, I've just realized that like, if you put your mind to something and you work hard at it and you believe in the process and you buckle up for the journey, which is a roller coaster of a journey that um, really the sky's the limit on like what you can achieve. You know, I mean, like I never would have thought I'd win eight my Ironmans or set the American record or run a sub three marathon off our 112 mile bike ride. And um, I think, yeah, that that's been probably the greatest gift that I've gotten from it or that I've I've learned from it. Even now, when you're saying some of those things, Lindsay, like the eight Ironman wins and the sub three marathon off the bike, like, have you, have you ever sort of stopped and actually reflected on everything that you have achieved? Yeah, no, I don't think I've gotten there yet. I think it's going to take me a while to like be removed from it all to then look back. I mean, 
I think one nice thing about like announcing retirement early, like everyone kind of does it at different times. But for me, once I like formally announced it and committed to it, I think it did allow me to start to appreciate or look back of like, here's these cool things that I've done. But I think it'll take a few years to like look back with like appreciation and be able to like pat myself on the back and be like, oh my gosh, I I did those things. That's pretty cool. But I mean, even like I told my husband before Tremblant that like, I have a bit of imposter syndrome. Like it doesn't necessarily feel like I'm that athlete. Like a lot of the times it's like almost like you're living in this like dream. Right. And it's just like, is that even me? Did I, and like a lot of times I'd win an Ironman and it'd be like, oh, maybe I just got lucky. And then that would like fuel me for the next one of like, you have to work harder. You have to push yourself harder, which again, like these are just lessons I learned in my career that like you can't always like will and push yourself to a next great result because I've gotten injured doing things like that. Like there is this fine balance. So um, yeah, again, sorry, I'm rambling a little bit, but <laughs> I guess that's the point of a podcast. No, I'm, I'm intrigued. <laughs> exactly. I'm intrigued, Lindsay. I'm intrigued because I think so many people will relate to this. Tell me more about the imposter syndrome. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, it's like both fortunate and unfortunate because I have, I really enjoy using social media and it's like connected me to this whole community. But I think that the more like emphasis that social media has been placed on our sports and on marketing and things like that, that the more it's gotten harder for me to be able to like, I, I feel like I do a fairly decent job. Like I would give myself a B grade probably for like being authentic and honest about like how I feel online. But I think a lot of times, like as professional athletes, like we get placed at this high standard and um, people don't want to hear the bad news or like you post bad news, like DNFing and Tremblant. And then you've got people that feel bad for you. And it's like, well, I don't want people to feel bad for me. I'm just like stating what my truth is. And I, um, I think that the imposter syndrome probably has come a bit through social media is like, I mean, you hear all the time, the quote that comparison is the thief of joy and you like know how true that is yet you can't help. Like when you open social media to like not compare yourself to other people or you like, I love the Strava platform. I like being able to log my training and being an open book about what I do, but then you log on and you like, for me, I just, it's hard to like, you have to have that filter of like, I'm not Sam Long. I can't do what Sam Long is doing for training, you know, but you see other people. And I think that that's, um, yeah, it's tough of like setting your own personal boundaries. And like, again, it goes to the, like, some days I absolutely love the platforms and being an open book and, and being a role model that people look up to. And then other days it's like, I just want to be honest about like how I feel or these like insecurities and like, you know, that other people feel the same way. And it's like even other pro athletes that I train with that I follow on social media, I'm like, dude, let's be honest. Like you're crushing it maybe that one or two day, but like, I also saw you laid up on the couch. Like I've done enough training camps to know that we aren't all heroes every day that, you know, and most people, yeah, you're only getting a glimpse of what life looks like, but um, it's definitely changed um, the sport for sure. I mean, I shouldn't say the sport, but it's it's changed for sure, like marketing, sponsorship, um, the ability to be close to athletes, like having an open book. 
Yeah, totally. And right, if you if you were to have said to to Chris or when you did say about the imposter syndrome, what would he say to you? What did he say? Oh, he's like, you're crazy. Like he was even surprised. He's like, I can't believe this is even a thing with you. And um, yeah, we were having pizza in Tremblant when it all came out, which is like worst timing scenario to have this kind of conversation. But um, yeah, and I, like that's one of the greatest parts of Chris is that he's not a triathlete. And so he's provided a lot of balance in my life and that you can come to him with triathlon drama and he's going to take like any drama and bring it back to a level one because he's like, this is the most ridiculous thing ever. Like you're running around in spandex, like this is meant to be fun. And, um, one race isn't going to define you. And so he kind of just honestly laughed when I told him that, like, I almost feel like an imposter, like, am I, you know, and I haven't felt like, it's not like that's been my entire career where I've had this, like, you know, imposter syndrome, but within the last few years, for sure, you know, you see these athletes that are like up and coming and the things that they're doing. And yeah, you just start to question of like, do I belong anymore? And yeah, (laughs) I don't know. You blooming do, Lindsay. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) What role has Chris played in your whole career? Yeah, Chris has been instrumental to me being a professional triathlete. He was the one that first encouraged me to get into triathlon. I didn't have a road bike or any bike whatsoever. I had my college commuter bike. (laughs) And Chris and I were dating and he went to Alaska for the summer. And not only was he my boyfriend, but he was my best friend. And I was like, what am I going to do all summer? You're leaving me to go to Alaska to fly fish. And he had a road bike that he bought with his garage sale money and was like, take my road bike and go bike touring. Um, My parents were really into bike touring. And so I went on a few bike tours and absolutely that was like my first experience with being on a road bike. And again, it goes back to that, like realizing that you're so much more capable than you think you are. So we rode our bikes like 600 miles or whatever in a week and camping along the way and riding over these huge mountain passes. And like we rode on roads that normally you drive a car on. And I remember my mind was just like blown, but that was all like due to Chris's encouragement of just like, take my bike, go for it, try something new. And um, yeah, he's always, I mean, anyone that has the, I guess, pleasure, I should say of meeting Chris will a hundred percent be on the same page with me and say that he is like, the most positive person you'll ever meet. And so he just always is a glass is half full kind of guy and always can like find the silver lining in any situation. His ability to like keep his cool under pressure um, is just, uh, I don't even know how he does it. And so he definitely is the good balance, I guess, for me of like always being encouraging, like helping you find the silver lining, um, from the first time I raced Ironman Hawaii all the way, like even this year, Chris will probably still say the same thing. And he's like, not someone that BSs, but he will say like with a hundred percent self-belief to me the night before the race, like, I think you have a chance to win. Like, I think that there's a shot. And like one year I had a, like basically a broken leg. The one year I DNF'd in Hawaii, I had something wrong with my hip. Like I didn't even run the week before the day before the race, I tried to run. And it was like the most atrocious, ugly thing. Like anyone has ever seen. 
Like I knew there was no way I was going to finish. And Chris still was like, you don't know unless you give it a shot. Like you just got to get out there. And so I would say like, he's provided many amazing like things in my triathlon career history, but just this unwavering like self-belief and positivity and like pull your bootstraps up, get back out there again um, is like all encouraged from Chris. So I for sure owe a lot to him. How much are you looking forward to spending more time with him (laughs) and your beautiful dog? Yeah, no, I'm definitely, it's a weird position to be in where you're, it's very bittersweet. Like there's things I know I'm going to miss for sure and that I don't want to end. But then I think that that's also like why I know that it's time to end because um, I mean, I've mentioned a little bit that Chris is really into fly fishing And I think the way that our relationship has worked is we're two very independent people. And for years, like Chris would pack up and go camping and fishing for the weekend. And I would be so excited. Like Chris is leaving town. I get to train my brains out. I don't have to like talk to anyone. I can like train six hours, go home, pass out, wake up, do it all again the next day, eat like leftover pizza for dinner. Doesn't even matter. And basically since COVID, now Chris like packs up to leave and go on these weekend adventures. And I'm thinking in the back of my head while I'm on these five or six hour bike rides, like what's Chris doing? <laughs> that sounds kind of fun to me. <laughs> I want to go out and do some adventuring or um, I have taken the opportunity to join him on a few more weekend trips than I normally would. And I'll go trail running while he's fishing or I'll ride the gravel bike and he'll go fish and we'll meet up later in the day. And So um, I definitely am looking forward to doing more things with my husband for sure. And I mean, even in Tremblant, when I pulled out of the race, literally that's, I pulled over on the side of the course and told Chris, like, I wish we were camping and fishing right now. And so I guess, I mean, and Chris, of course, like his silver lining to it all is that like, if you weren't saying these things, then you would still be racing and you would be going for 20 Konas. But the fact that you're saying these things is like, it's probably time to like wrap it up and explore a new chapter in your life and and be able to enjoy that. And again, like I feel bad about it. Like I feel guilty that like I see other people that still love it so much and I, I definitely love it. But there's, like I said, I just know it's time for me to like close this chapter and experience new things. And that's, that's tough to say because the sport has given me so much and and provided me with just a dream life that a few years ago, I would never imagine that I'd be sitting here saying that. And unfortunately now I like have seen what life is like on the other side and I'm a bit curious. (laughs) So, Okay. I've not been a professional triathlete, but I did make a huge career change and it's scary because you don't really know what's on the other side. You're in your comfort zone with what you know now but it is amazing that other life that you can go on to have yeah I'm definitely looking forward to it yeah um I've got a couple of messages uh for you let's start with this one two words that will always remind me of and certainly describe Lindsay Corbin Lindsay's commitment, hard work, dedication, focus, and resilience absolutely shines in everything she does, both on and off the race course. 
I certainly know that whatever she steps into these coming years, she will use that same grit and grace that she did as a legendary professional triathlete, and it will continue to flourish in all of her future ventures. All the best, LNC. The Kessler clan is always in your corner, and we thank you for all that you have brought to the sport year after year after year. Oh, Meredith. <laughs> I mean, as soon as I heard Meredith's voice, I mean, we have a ton of memories together and lots of training and shared experiences. And um, we've had a lot of ding dong battles on the Ironman course at Ironman Coeur d'Alene, Ironman Arizona. Um, and again, like to me, I think that those are the things I'm going to cherish the most are the friendships. I mean, I think the race wins and the results and the podiums will like come and go. And I mean, even now I can't tell you how many, like someone asked, like how many Ironmans have you done? I'm like, I don't know. I think around 30, like I don't, you know, but the people are the things that I'll remember the most of like shared training experiences and suffering together and sharing race courses together. And I mean, we're bonded for life with the, fellow professional athletes that I've been able to share the course with. And um, that's a bond and, and what we share and the things we've experienced, like no one else will be able to relate or, or compare to that. So I'm forever thankful for those relationships and friendships. We've got a, there's another one for you. So let's try this one. Just want to send a huge congrats to Lindsay Corbin. I've been racing Linz for well over a decade, I think, 2008 I didn't know when we started racing each other 15 years ago probably more but uh, I remember my first time in Kona 09 Lindsay had already been there and she just seemed like so comfortable in Hawaii so happy all the time racing there um and actually at all the races I raced with Lindsay she always had such a uh, a good positive energy and was always fun to be around um yeah I really just loved racing against her and having her in in the race and yeah 15 Ironman World Championship events is amazing I think I only got to 10 barely um but yeah good on you Linz uh congrats on an awesome career and I hope Kona this year this last one for you is everything that you hope for I look forward to seeing you you out on the island and I'll be cheering from the sideline so there you go that was Rini as well what Oh, you're smiling, Lindsay. Yeah. <laughs> well, Rennie's the consummate world champion professional. So to hear her words is just awesome. I mean, again, like I look back on on some good memories I've had with Rennie, particularly at the Kona after party. <laughs> I never won Ironman Hawaii, but I will say I've had some pretty incredible after party performances that I'm quite proud of. So one of my favorite sayings is that win or lose, we booze. <laughs> so um, <laughs> you don't have to win the world title to actually win Ironman Hawaii. So um, yeah, it's all about who has the most fun out there. But, again, like I never would put myself in the same category as, as Rinny, but we always kind of race the same of, racing from the back and, and really laying it all out there on the run. And she was an athlete. I incredibly like still look up to and admire and aspire to. And 
Um, yeah, I mean, we always kind of played the same cards of like limit the deficit on the swim, do the best you can on the bike and then put yourself into this massive hole and, and do what you love, which is running through the field. Wonderful. Wonderful. Do you still have the man in the arena quote, uh, like taped to your bathroom mirror? Oh yeah. I can go get it if you want. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. So it's a quote from Teddy Roosevelt and I have it taped on my bathroom mirror. And most days I read it as I'm just brushing my teeth, but basically the, the very cliff notes of the version is that, um, until you've been to battle in the arena, like no one else knows. And it's the person that's been to battle and, and had the blood and the tears and the sweat um, and lived courageously that that's a rich life and putting yourself out there. Um, and to me, it's just embodied and, and symbolized what my career has been. I like that. It's like the motivational quote on the mirror, isn't it? It's just every morning you see it and you're like, yeah. Yes. Um, can you remember the first meal that you cooked for Chris? No, I cannot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so apparently, apparently... Am I supposed um, to remember? Is this like a quiz? No, it's not a quiz. No quiz. Don't worry about it. But apparently, <laughs> well, he said he remember. Apparently on his Instagram, he said he remembers the first meal that you cooked for him was like almost the, the dedication and the attention to the preparation that you put into it maybe that's more what he remembers rather than actually what it was <laughs> but I was gonna say we're gonna have to call him down from the home office and be like yeah. dude what did I make for you for the first time because <laughs> I don't even know if he remembers <laughs> who knows but the point being right the point being that your love of food has has been like a long-standing thing, right? Yeah. I mean, I've always been fascinated. Like I grew up in a family that loves food. We didn't have a TV growing up and we always like prided ourselves on eating dinner at the table as a family of four every single night. And yeah, just um, for us, dinner and breakfast and lunch was just this, you bring community and friends together and you share words and you learn from each other and um, just kind of bond and experience. And like my parents would always have dinner parties growing up where they'd have friends over and just breaking bread at the table was like a huge thing for us. And we always ate really healthy growing up, um, you know, organic foods, home cooked meals, never had like fast food or soda or anything fun like that. So (laughs) did miss out on a few good things, but um Then as I got into triathlon, I started to realize or learn the impact that nutrition has on performance. And particularly in college, when I was studying exercise science, I was always fascinated by the nutrition-based courses and and what fueling and hydration and, and nutrition could do to impact athletic performances or heat management or all sorts of different things. And so Um, For me, I mean, you hear all the time that like nutrition is the fourth discipline of triathlon. And I 100% agree with that. Like I've seen small changes that athletes can make and all of a sudden they're recovering better, they're feeling better or they're performing better. And 
even I've wondered, like I've seen some of my other female professional athletes struggle out on the race course time and time again. And I like want to pick their brains of like, are you doing this, like this and this and this, and that could really impact a difference. And so, yeah, I've always been fascinated by nutrition. And then whenever I've done like Q and A's with athletes, that's the number one thing that athletes ask about is like, what are you eating? And, um, what does a day of nutrition look like for you? And do you have cheat meals? And, um, I don't know. So I've always been pretty interested in both the, the cooking aspect and then also the physiological aspect of like how it impacts your performance. And are you hoping to develop hazel and blue further, you know, when you do retire? I, I don't know exactly what I'm going to do. Like, that's of course the million dollar question is everyone's like, what are you going to do when you're done? And I, for a while there, I would say there was six months where I felt this pressure of like, you have to figure out what you're going to do so that like when you cross the line on October 6th, on October 7th, you're a nutritionist or you're a triathlon coach or you're going to become a pilot or you're going to be a banker. Like the options are endless. And I just really struggled with figuring out what I want to do while also still trying to be a full-time athlete. And so for me, um, I just decided I'm going to table it and really use this last six months of my career to embrace it and enjoy it and not have like the stress of what I was going to do was basically robbing me of being present and being a professional athlete and enjoying it. And so I kind of just put it all on hold and I don't know, like, I mean, I'm totally honest and I part scary, but I'm also kind of like, I've been scared before. Like when I made the call from go fetch that I was going to not be at the dog store anymore and be a full-time pro. Like that was also scary. So I'm kind of excited to be scared and not have a clue what I'm going to do. But I do know that, um, I would love to share my 17 years of knowledge of being a professional triathlete and help other people. And I don't know in what capacity that'll look like if it'll be coaching, if it'll be helping with sport nutrition and going that direction, if it'll be, you know, I really enjoyed the marketing end of being a professional athlete and having to market yourself. So maybe I'll go into some, some marketing in the, in the sports industry. So I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I do know that like when I started triathlon, there was a huge passion for it. And like what I've learned is like, if you're passionate about something, you can find a way to turn it into a career. So I definitely love the food and nutrition aspect and I love triathlon. I would love to find a way to like marry them together and, and turn it into something great. If you could stay tuned, (laughs) if you could change one thing about triathlon, having been in it for a long while, what would it be? Mm -hmm. That's a tough one. I mean, I think it would be, um, to make it more, um, it's very inclusive, even still, like it's, um, it's intimidating to, to start it. Like most people don't come from a swim background. They have no clue how to even begin. And, um, then there's also like the financial aspect of it, of being able to, to get your foot in the door with all the gear. And then I also think it's, um, like it's a, it's been a huge privilege to be able to do it. And I think it'd be cool. Like running is a way more accessible activity. 
but I look at like the lessons and how rich triathlon is and what it's given me. And I would love to give that gift to like millions of people, but I, I think it's a bit inclusive. And so if I could change one thing about it, it would just be to make it more accessible for other people and, and particularly women and particularly young women. Um, because I think that what they, the lessons that they would learn from it are, are lifetime lessons that can really shape you as a person. So I would love to, um, just, yeah, make it more accessible so other people can experience the the gifts that it's given me. And then if, you know, if other people were to, if other people were remembering you, they're saying, oh yeah, Lindsay Corbin, how would you like almost to be remembered in triathlon? Yeah, I would definitely say, I mean, Meredith kind of nailed it. Like, I just always put my head down and worked hard. So definitely someone that wasn't afraid of, of doing the hard work. Um, I think when you've been doing it as long as I have, that there's bound to be ups and downs. And I would love to be remembered as someone that was very resilient. Um, you know, one year I would win an Ironman. A few years I run two Ironmans in one year. And then the next year I would be injured and um, have to sit out like the whole season yet. I continued to like do the best that I could and put my head down and, and work hard with what I was able to work with. And then the next year I'd win an Ironman. (laughs) So it definitely has not been the like straight up trajectory. And so it's just, um, I would say, yeah, the hard work, the resilience, and then, um, probably what Rennie said of just like having this positive attitude and, and good energy and that, um, I mean, you, I've heard it before that you get a choice, like you get to choose what your attitude is. And so if you have to choose between being negative and hard on yourself and not enjoying it, like, just remember that, like, we choose to be here, we get to do this and and you have a choice in how you approach it. So, um, for me, it's, yeah, trying to just find the positive in it and and channel my inner Chris Corbin of the glasses half full. (laughs) And nail the party at the end, right? Yeah, of course. Always, you got to celebrate. Always got to celebrate. <laughs> Lindsay, I hope you have the race that you hope for um, in Hawaii. You deserve it. Thank you. So I said just before that if you didn't have the race that you wanted, I want to play this message out. So I actually asked Lindsay to record a bit of a good luck message for a friend who was doing Ironman Wales. She was 50-50 even on Monday night. So what, less than a week, she did not know if she was going to be able to line up on that start line after an accident and an infection. And I got Lindsay to record a little message for her. And I think that it captures things pretty nicely. My first Ironman Hawaii was in 2006, and I actually was hit by a car five or six weeks before the race and ended up breaking my collarbone. And for me, I ended up going and doing the race because I thought this is the only time I'm ever going to have to race the Ironman World Championships, and I did not want to miss the opportunity. And I went into the race with zero expectations and just soaked up the entire atmosphere. And I know that Ironman Wales has an over the top atmosphere and you've probably put in a lot of work to get ready for it. So if you're given the green light to go race, I hope that you go and race and enjoy it and soak it up and have appreciation for what the human body is capable of and just being resilient and being able to go out there. And if for some reason it's not your day and 
you're told you aren't able to race, or maybe you get partway through the race and it's just not your day. Um, I would just be okay with that and know that um, we grow in the valleys and not on the peaks and that you put your best foot forward and it's okay to make mistakes and maybe fall short of your goals because you're going to get back out there and you're going to tackle them again. And the next victory will be all the sweeter if this one is not the victory that's meant to be. So best of luck in your decision and enjoy it. It's part of the journey. I have put links to Lindsay and Hazel and Blue in the show notes. Thanks for listening to the Inside Try Show. If you want to get in touch or get a little bit more information on anything, then reach out to Helen on Instagram or Twitter at Inside Try Show. Thank you for your messages. Adrian, you said, oh, this was an awesome episode with Nikki Bartlett and Bex Milnes. You said Bex is inspirational, chasing her goals like she did. And Nikki's journey is equally as inspiring from rower to age grouper to world class pro. Rosie, you said as someone who was coached by Bex, this was a great listen. Felicity, you listened to the episode while you were painting a gnome. Quite random but it probably made me smile. Amber, you said, what better way to spend a pre-race spin than listening to Bex and Nikki on Inside Try Show? Amber, I hope you had a good race. Beth, thank you for your note. You said, thanks for keeping me entertained on my ride. I look forward to the podcast each week. Joanna, I think we helped you through some intervals. Happy days. You said, I think they went better than you were expecting. Debbie, you said it was a quality chat and you're extremely comforted to hear that you weren't the only one who struggles with tumble turns. I haven't, you know what, Debbie, I, I've been back in the pool twice now since my cast came off. I'm going to go later today at some point. I can barely do um, a length of front crawl at the moment. I, I'm not even attempting tumble terms, though it might be better with the um, wrist, but even just getting to the end, I'm like, yay, I've done it. Um, Breaststroke is okay. Front crawl, not so. But when I went on Thursday, it was better than when I had been on Monday. And I think I maybe managed, I don't know, four lengths maybe with sort of front crawl. It's not comfortable though. And I think if I don't get it right, it's going to then pull on my shoulder and then that's going to not be pretty so yeah bit by bit bit by bit bit by bit it'll get there and then john congratulations by the way you have made your triathlon comeback at goldenstone try in some very tough conditions and then rob thank you for your email you got in touch helen at inside after telling me that you had done man versus mountain which sounds pretty fun actually and you said that the series is organized by rat race events you entered the three events with your son as his 40th birthday challenge for last year, which sounds great. So there was Man versus Coast, which started in Penzance, and then you went down to Land's End. Sounded pretty lovely. Man versus Lakes up in the middle of the Lake District, but it was the last one that they're going to do. And then Man versus Mountain, which you said started on the promenade in Carnarvon, made its way up to an ascent of Snowdon before going back down the Flamborough Pass and then you go like down the quarry and then you have some water challenges in Llyn Padarn. But next year is going to be the last one and on your card you said I'm going to be doing the wall which is 70 miles from Carlisle to Newcastles. Newcastles? No, there's only one Newcastle. Newcastle. So that sounds good. Sorry, I think tiredness has hit after... 
a bonkers day in Tenby and then a drive home in the evening. So, yes, even the voice sounds a little bit different. Anyway, please do go and check out Prescottsportswear.com. They are now sponsoring this podcast for the next six months. Every other week, you can use the code InsideTry15. It's going to be valid until the end of March 2023. One per customer on everything except heel jerseys. You can also get money off with some other friends of the show, so Resilient Nutrition, Comfuel, Life Jacket Skin and 33 Fuel. Just look in the show notes for the codes. But that is it for this week. Thank you as always for listening. If you've been inspired in any way by listening to this episode, then please do share it. Otherwise, happy training, happy racing and we'll catch up again next week. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.